Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. If, if we're so full of everything else that we've done last night, and we come to church and we're, right? The challenge, I challenge you, come hungry. And here's the thing, I noticed when, when, when I'm like, Pris, this was amazing, guess what? My wife wants to cook even better. And I'm, it's not that I preach different or better if you come more hungry. I think it just draws something out as we come hungry and the Spirit of God is ready to release. But we need to pull it sometimes. We need to say, Lord, I want it today. And I pray today you want this food more than you want the food downstairs. Because this is what's going to sustain you. The food is momentarily, and the Bible says it goes in the mouth and it passes through another way. Right? But, but this, let it take deep root today. Um, I just want to say one thing as we come around our year-end offering next, next Sunday. This is not something that we've typically done. So I just want to just spend a second before we get into the word. Um, two weeks ago, I said it, this is not a sacrifice because when we sacrifice something, it means something has to die. But we call this a seed. And the Bible says that God supplies seed to the sower. And he gives us more seed. And so the idea is, I'm sowing seed, which means something's not dying. I'm expecting something to grow. And I just want to let you know, God will always supply seed to the sower... And the reality is God can't bless and multiply what you don't give. Let me qualify that statement. If I give zero, 10 times zero is zero. If I give not, some of you are like 10 is, is not a lot. God has a lot of resource. Okay, fine. A thousand that God has times my zero is zero. So as we give... God wants to bless what we are sowing. And you might say, well, what is this money going for? Well, I'll tell you, Vision Sunday is coming in January, the last Sunday of January. We're going to lay everything out. But we have big dreams. We have a big vision for this church. There have been big prophetic words spoken. I don't have enough time today to get into that. But I'll just tell you, we have our kids' ministry in mind, that we are growing and we're hitting capacity. We are growing. So we need the next phase, the next steps. Uh, as a church, we are growing. So our, our challenges are changing. And, and we call them opportunities, actually, not problems. And, and these are just a few things. But on January 26th, I believe that's the Sunday date, we're going to lay out for you, just like we did January 20th of this year, everything that God is showing us and preparing us as a leadership for the coming year. And I'm just going to say, it's going to be bigger and it's going to be better because this is what God is leading us to. The promise that we are standing on this year is that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, listen, we are the church. It's not this building. So don't get confused with the overflow campaign. If you've pledged to that, continue to be faithful to your word, to your pledge. But we're going to give a year-end offering my wife and I, this is what we're doing. We're going home. We're praying and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to give? 
That's all I'm asking the church to do. It's an opportunity for us to come next Sunday, asking starting last week, the week before, into this coming weekend, Holy Spirit, how would you like me to give? And as whatever he speaks and as he leads, you give. And that's it. And we're going to honor God. We're going to honor what he's placed in front of us. And we're going to see God move in the name of Jesus. And so I'm excited this morning to bring the word. The title of my message is, This Changes Everything. This Changes Everything. And here are some this changes everything moments just to kind of get us by way of introduction. So in 2007, some of you, the next slide, might remember this. And it looks very different um, 12 years later. But I had that phone, believe it or not. Some of you who know I'm an Apple fanboy, you might wonder. I had the phone. I bought it on eBay from the States because they didn't sell it here in Canada. But Steve Jobs, and I take this quote from his keynote where he was presenting this for the very first time. This is what he said. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. You know, 2019, the next slide. Oh, maybe my slides are out of order. Um, Can we go to the basketball one and then we'll come back to this? There we go, 2019. Um, I don't need to explain the photo, right? But as a city, we know that this changes everything. We're world champs. It changes our confidence of how we speak about basketball. I was in the States a few times uh, in the last few weeks, once in North Carolina and then in California, especially California, LA Clippers. I don't want to get into that, but they were asking me all about basketball. And I was like, I'm not the right guy to ask, but I do know our city is talking about basketball. Um, But this changes everything for a city. Um, Could we go to the the hockey one? Nineteen sixty-seven. This changes everything. (laughs) I couldn't even find the picture in color. It was the last time the Leafs won a cup, apparently. So we got to continue to pray, because um, this too changes everything. Um, then we get to uh, things like my wedding was 2009. Don't worry, there's no image there, uh, but you're, you're ahead of me a little bit. But in 2009, my wedding, you know, this changes everything. The, you know, the way I lived as a single guy, doing whatever I wanted with my friends, and it changes, right? And, and it changes life. Then we get to uh, things that are even more serious, like 9-11. And this changes everything. How we travel, how we go through checkpoints at airports. Um, this changes everything. I went to Bible school just outside of Boston. And Logan Airport was one of the airports where the terrorists boarded. And guess what? It changed everything. I, I, what used to be easy, quick, was like, wow. This is taking a long time to go through the security checkpoints. And so we, these are some examples of events that change things. But I want to rewind all the way to 2,000 years ago. And here we have a manger. You see, God had the world in mind, but it started in the womb. God had the world in mind. It's a big, big, big vision. 
to say that this in a womb. And today, I'm here to say that this changes everything. And it still does to this day. For you and for me. That's why Christmas is a big deal in the church. Christmas is a big deal. And I know it's so cliche, so I'm just going to say it to say it. But we have to keep Christ in Christmas. Because Christ is the message of Christmas. And if it just becomes about the gifts. You know, my wife and I every year have this discussion. Because there's the hustle and the bustle. And we're like, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Obviously, we want to make it special. But I have to make sure that it's not only the gifts and the toys and, and what they're getting in terms of under the tree. But it has to be the real gift, who is Jesus Christ. And if we don't give this to our children, parents, we've missed the point. And so we have to make sure that we keep Christ in our home, especially the message of Christmas as well. And so this changes everything. This changes everything. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? We're going to get to Scripture. And if you're able to stand with us, can we do that <clears throat> as we honor the Word of God? Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. We have it on the screen in the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, and here's what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Or other translations might read, Blessed are you among women. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Get this, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And listen to Mary's response. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is already anointed to accomplish whatever you need it to accomplish in our hearts and in our lives. God, I just pray now for your anointing upon me. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the humble opportunity I have to share your word. Lord, may it be the words that you want your church to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. This changes everything. This changes everything. The messenger, the angel shows up. It's not a special day. It's a pretty ordinary day. 
It's, it's a big announcement, but she's a humble servant. She's a humble woman. You know, scholars say that she would have been in her thir- 13 or 14 age bracket. Not like 21. Stand. She context, so maybe we just have to take out 2019. But understand, she was 13 years old. She was young, she was poor, and she was a female. And these were three things that would go against her in this day and age where she was living. And so when the angel shows up and says, blessed are you among women, you can understand why she's disturbed and confused. Like this, hold on, do you have the right person? Is, are you sure you're right? Uh, do you know who I am? And do you know that there's a significant other in my life? And how am I going to get, like all these questions you can start imagining would flood Mary's mind. And here she is, just simple, ordinary Mary. And there's this extraordinary encounter that changes everything. Remember, God had the world in mind, but it had to start somewhere. And it had to start in the womb. Because this child was going to be born with flesh. God, you have to understand, could have done it any other way. Why? He's God. He could have just, the way he formed Adam and then he formed Eve, he could have just allowed Jesus to be walking on this earth at age 30 if he really wanted. But they would have been like, sorry, who are you? Where did you come from? But read John chapter 1 and it tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God did it a specific way. And Jesus, I'll tell you why. He knows what you're going through. Why? Because he walked where you were walking. He's been where you are. And Hebrews chapter 4 says, we don't have a high priest who's not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Which means he understands our weakness. It means he understands what it means to be tempted. Why? He was tempted too, yet he didn't sin. And so Jesus walked this earth, much like you and I are walking today. He knows the pressures of life. He knows the demands of people and the expectations of people. But yet Jesus was also on mission. And here's the, the beautiful part, that you're here today. And maybe God has given you big dreams. And he has even given you a word. That, and the promise is, this is a year of promise. You're holding on. But listen. It didn't start with the world, even though that's what God had in mind. It had to start really, 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 really small in the womb. And I want to submit to you that the dreams that God gives you, you know, if God showed you that you're going to preach in stadiums, your next step is not necessarily to go and book the Rogers Center to invite the city to come and hear you preach. I'm just saying, unless he gave you a clear path and he gave you the finances and he gave you everything that you needed and he said, this is the time, it's now, right? Oftentimes, it's here, here's, the, here's the next step. It's going to start small and it's going to start in the womb. And for Mary, like the angel told her the big picture, he's like, he's going to be very great. He's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to be the, in the line of David. At where his rule will know no end. 
And you know what Mary's response is? It wasn't even like, me? That? It was like, how could it be? I'm a virgin. It was simple faith she had. It was such a big revelation. Maybe it didn't even all process. Like as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is huge. This changes everything. But Mary in her response was like, how can it happen? And you think like, right? Like, how can I produce a baby that's going to be this important? But she's like, I'm a virgin. Like, it's very basic. It's like, what the next step? How can I have a baby? We didn't go any further. I'm just engaged. And the beautiful part about God is, in our text, it really just covers Mary. But when you read the narrative in Matthew, it kind of shows you a bit of Joseph's perspective. And the Bible says that when, when the angel told Joseph this news, his immediate response was, she's pregnant? I'm going to have to end this quietly as to not disgrace her. And the angel said, no, 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 you have it wrong. This is not anyone, any man's doing. This is, this is God's doing. And this is how it's going to happen. And you could read, we read it today. But, but the beautiful part of it is that God often will confirm his word to others as well. And, you know, because maybe God did call you to speak in stadiums. And, and whatever, that's, that's a big example, I, I know. But just follow me for a second. But he's going to use people as well to confirm that word. And, and if he's called you to a stadium, guess what? You need that kind of finance to back it up as well. So you have to understand, if God said one thing, these other pieces along the way have to eventually come and align with the word God has spoken. That's why time never lies. Time shows us the trajectory. So if God said something, and as a church, we stepped out in faith at the beginning of this year, and we said, we're going to grow. We said, we're going to hire a pastor. And we said, we're going to work on the health of who we have here. We're not going to use the people we have here to reach people that we want. We're going to work at making sure we are so healthy that we want to bring people here so they can get healthy as well. And, and this becomes a hospital for the sick and for the broken. And this is the environment. This is, God had the world in mind, but it started in a womb. And so today's message, if, if, if you get lost along the way, just remember the two W's. World in mind, but the womb. Think about your dreams, your hopes, and your plans that, you know, through Christ and through God's revelation in your life. And just remember, they might be big, but they have to start somewhere. And so don't be afraid of small beginnings. Can somebody say amen? amen. Mary's confused and disturbed. And she, she didn't understand what the angel could actually mean. And I just want to reread some of like what the angel was telling her. Verse 32, he will be very great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And listen to this, he will reign over. Over Israel forever. Like, how do you process this if you're Mary? And his kingdom will never end. You see, they, they would have understood the Davidic covenant, the promise. And now Mary, as I'm sure she's processing, she's understanding. Because he even says, this is his name, Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I love how 
at the same time Mary is going through this, there's a relative, and her name is Elizabeth. And what's interesting is, Elizabeth was old. She wasn't supposed to have a baby either. And I love that it says, but the word of the Lord will never fail. Because I think that was necessary. John, was, John the Baptist was going to be Elizabeth's baby. But get this, track with me for a second. He was going to be the forerunner for the ministry of Jesus. Okay, but let's put that aside for a second. Here's Mary. She receives this huge revelation. This angel gives her this word. Oh, and your relative, Elizabeth, Mary would have known, yes, she's old and she can't have kids. Well, she's six months pregnant. Six months pregnant? And then the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. Or the NLT says, the word of the Lord will never fail. What has the Lord spoken to you? Why? Because this changes everything. If it's a word from God, you hold on to it. Why? For the word of the Lord will never fail. Brother James, it's good to see you back. Welcome back. The word of the Lord will never fail. The word of the Lord will never fail. Whose word is it? The Lord's. It's a word it's his, so he backs it up, but he gives the word through you. It comes to you, but what he wants to do is through you. The word of the Lord, it's his word, but it's given for you so that it can go through you. The word of the Lord will never fail. And if you read through scripture, that is what you find. If God said X, X is what's going to happen. I want to say this, as we approach the Christmas season, I've heard biblical scholars say that through all the prophecies in Scripture that have been predicted and written and recorded for years upon years, thousands of years, in this word, 80% of them have come to pass. So wouldn't you believe that if the first 80% has come to pass as it is written and recorded in Scripture that the last 20% would also come to pass? That Jesus is coming back for his church? That eternity is real? That heaven and hell are real places? And that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If 80% happened as recorded in Scripture... My friend, and we are living in the last days, but this changes everything, right? God had the world in mind. It started in the womb. We've been talking about the womb this morning, but I don't want you to forget that he has the world in mind. Because we could get so consumed, with, but it's, I have the word, it's my word. And we lose sight of why God would even give us a word. God has the world in mind. So if he gave you the seed of his word, let it take root. It's the start. But it's for the world. It's for the world to see. It's for the world to know that he alone is God. And Mary was just the vessel, really. And I love her response 
and the posture of her heart because we find it in verse 38. And this is what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And again, it was not for her. Can I just, for a moment, draw this point across? We get excited for the word that we receive. And we should. We ought to. But for Mary, when you think about Jesus' life, right? Age 33, here's, I nursed this child I disciplined this child. I watched this child grow. We forgot him in the temple when he was 12 because he was teaching. He said, Mom, I'm about my father's business. Shouldn't you know? It's like, Jesus, know your place. I'm still your mother. Right? And this is like Mary had a mother's heart. But the word she received would eventually mean she had to let him go and allow him to fulfill his God-given mandate on his life. Again, he was sent with the world in mind. So as a mother, Mary had to do her part and raise him up and, and, and then release him to do what God called him to do. I want to say something. Parents in the room, you might be like, I never received a word. No, but maybe you received a child. And maybe your mission and your role is to raise up this child. And it started in your womb but God's going to use your child for the world. What do I mean by that? He's going to be, or she's going to be a messenger, a person on mission. They're going to be used for God's purpose. But here's the thing. Like Mary, you have to be willing to release them to fulfill what they're called to do. You can't always keep them. When my parents sent me off to Bible school, you bet my mom came. You bet she made my bed the first night. You bet I cried when she left. And then I cried many days later. And I, I, I have a picture of uh, my mom lying on the bed after it was made. And I was like next to the dresser. And I just remember I got that printed and I, I kept it there, I think, all four years. But I remember when they were driving off, I was looking out my third story window in the dorm room. And I just bawled. I cried so hard. Because I was like, mommy. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. And I could only imagine on the flip side, as my mom and dad were driving away with my sister, what they must have been thinking. My son, four more, four years without him. And, and I, parents, I assure you, I was a blessing as a child. So I knew she would have been saying that. Okay? <laughs> Priscilla didn't know me back then, so you can't use her as a cross-reference. I was a mama's boy, and she, she loved me dearly. I know that. But... But she had to release me to fulfill God's calling on my life. And so parents in the room, don't underestimate what God has given you as a gift. Steward the gift. Steward the word. But also be willing to release them to do what God has called them to do. And, you know, there's a, there's a season for nursing. And then there's a season for releasing. And saying, now you're, you're good. You're grown. Now you go. You fulfill what God has called you to do. And you do it well. And we're praying with you. We're praying for you. We're with you every step of the way. Even though distance separated us, my parents said, if we're, we're a phone call away. And we're, at, we're here. We're a phone call away. Anything you need. And, and they lived up to their word. So Mary 
the word came. But remember, God had the world in mind. It started in her womb, but there came a time where that word that she received, it had to be released now for its purpose. And that's why I say it, it comes through you. comes through you. Children, I know we love our parents, but there's a season where we're going to have to leave home. <laughs> we will. And we'll have to be grown-ups and go and do what God has called us to do. And so posture is everything. And again, verse 38, Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Well, guess what? Even 33 years later, as hard as it is, the word comes to pass. And God does what he says he will do. And so I just want to read to you Luke chapter 2 now. Just go further, one more chapter. Verse 1. At the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire... And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, get this, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, which was literally a feeding trough, because there was no lodging available for them. And what's interesting about this is that the word came... To Mary, and she said, Lord, as you've, to the angel, as you've said, so may it be in my life. But now there's evidence. There's evidence. She's literally pregnant, and they're on their way. And Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, simply says this. I'm, I'm taking a fragment of the verse. But it says, do not despise these small beginnings. Small in this context of Zechariah can also mean young beginnings, little or even insignificant beginnings. A lot of us like the hurrah. I want God to, Pastor John in a sermon, to point and give a word to me. Maybe someone has said that. Or when we have a guest speaker and you say, Lord, give me a word. Let the speaker come and just point to me and give me a word. Maybe some of us are asking that. Maybe some of us want that or we feel like we desire that. But I believe if you're listening, God's speaking. I believe if you're in the word, he's speaking. And I believe that it might not be in the big hurrah moments. But it's going to be in the quietness of your bedroom when you read your Bible. And God's going to give you the word, give you the seed. Sometimes it happens off of a platform. But I think God will do it however he needs to reach you. But the question is, you got to posture yourself like Mary and say, Lord, if you're going to speak, I want you to know that I'm available. If you're going to speak, I want you to know that I'm your servant and I will see it through, whatever, whatever the word is that you're going to give me. And the evidence starts, but don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't, you know, the word small, again, 
young, she was young. Little, I mean, it was just starting to show as they're on their way to Bethlehem. And, and it, maybe it seems insignificant if you have a big vision for your life. But I want to say if it's the word of the Lord, it, it's big. Because God is a big God. And what God gives his people is significant. It's not insignificant. And so John 3.16, I want you to just see the picture again. It's, it's so clear, but I want to make it even more obvious and clear. John 3.16, for God so loved the, that he gave his one. We know the rest of the verse. But whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But God so loved the world that he gave his only one. The one wasn't insignificant, but, but he started small. But then he grew up. He looked like you and me. But this is the beauty of God's plan and outworking of his word in your life. That what starts as a seed is planted, but it grows and it matures, and it flourishes to become what God intended it to be in your life. And this is what the Word of God is, is and does in us. And I just want to, I hear God saying, don't despise the baby steps. Don't despise the baby steps. You might be called to speak or to preach or, or to, to pray for the sick and see them healed, but, but take baby steps and don't despise the baby steps. Before a baby can run, it has to crawl. It drools a whole lot and it crawls. Then the baby gets strength and starts to stand up and hold on to the sofa or the table or the chair and still falls. But guess what? It, what's being built? The strength. The, the stability, right? To stand. The balance. All of these things are necessary to walk and to run eventually. But we can't despise the baby steps either. And I hear the, the word of the Lord, or the, I hear God saying to people today in this room, don't despise the baby steps. Don't despise the womb even. And don't despise the world. Because this is what Jesus came to do. In Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to wrap this up really soon. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, get this, verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died ultimately a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus, the posture, we saw the posture of Mary when she received a word and it changed everything for her. And now we see the posture of Jesus, word became flesh and this changes everything because he came and he took the position or posture of humility and he said, yes, I could cling to my rights, but I'm going to lay them aside because God I want your will to be done. And he came to this earth and ultimately would grow up and pay the price for you and for me on the cross. And you say, this isn't Easter. Well, I know. But it started in the womb, but it was for the world. And so you have to understand that God loves you so much. 
And maybe some of you, everything I've said is over your head, but this is the word for you, that God loves you so much. God loves you so much. You're the apple of his eye. The Bible says that he's a good father and every good and perfect gift comes from the father above with whom there's no shifting shadow. And today I feel that this is almost prophetic for people in the room. That you have never heard someone tell you, maybe even in a church, that, that we love you or that you are loved. I want you to know today that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only. What does one and only mean? It was costly. It was precious. It was rare. It was the one and only. But he loved you enough that he said, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to let go because why? I have the world in mind. I'm willing that no one would perish, but that all would have eternal life. And this is God's heart for you today in the room. This is God's heart for you. And this is the most important part of the service that we're approaching. As we close, I want to say this. Mary must have realized that somebody would be chosen to bring the Messiah into this world. But she couldn't have known that from the beginning of time, God had his eye on her as that somebody. It was imminent. They knew the Messiah was going to come. But if you're Mary, you could have never imagined that God would have put his finger on your life. And I believe that there are people here in this room today that God is ready to put his finger on your life again. Maybe for the first time for some of you. But again, with God, all things are possible. You might be like, I'm an unworthy selection or choice. And God's like, so was Mary, but I used her anyway. But she was available. She was willing. And it changed everything. You're here and you're realizing what God did through Jesus. That though he had the world in mind, it started in the womb. Right? It's Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus. And today in this room, though we're, I don't know, about 200 in the room today, I believe God is wanting to start with you. World womb, big room, you, today. And this changes everything. Mary said yes to Jesus growing inside of her. And today I know that there are some of you that need to say yes to Jesus too. And here's what I want us to do as we get ready to close today. If that's you, I want to lead you in a commitment prayer. And here's, we're going to do things a little different than how we've ever done them in the past. That I'm simply going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not our heart. I don't, I'm not going to call you to the altar, to the front. I'm simply going to ask if you want me to, if you want to pray this prayer with me and you, you say, count me in. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And if you're just here and you say, Pastor, count me in. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you were saved and you've gone your own way, but today you're like, I need him again. Uh, and I need to make him number one. I'm getting the priority right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And you just lift your hand up. 
And then we're going to pray together all over this room. So if you're here and you say, Pastor John, pray for me. Count me in when you pray. Just lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three, and we're going to pray. I see hands all over this place. Yes, 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 yes. On this side, yes. Every yes is a hand and every hand is a soul. Church. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray in a second. But when we're done, everyone who's lifted a hand, I'm just going to ask you, Pastor Miguel's going to make his way into the side room. And we want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. But we want to connect with you and, and equip you to win and in this walk with Jesus. And so we're going to pray this prayer together. But every hand that was raised, once we close in a minute or two, I'll invite you to join Pastor Miguel in the side room for that. So would you join? Would you stand to your feet as we pray even now? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. If you raised your hand, you repeat this. But, but I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer together. Would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me first. Today I give my life to you. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean and be my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours. Take all my gifts. Use them to reach others with your love. Bless me to be a blessing. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. My life is yours. My past, present, and future. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's say amen today. Come on. Amen. And amen. The Bible says that when even one, we had about, I don't know, 12, 13 hands, but when even one comes back to the Lord, the angels in heaven throw a party. Well, listen, we're throwing a party downstairs in a couple of minutes, and I just want to encourage you to, uh, to keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to close in prayer now, but here's the thing. If you prayed that prayer and you raised your hand, make your way after we dismiss into the side room. Pastor Miguel is going to meet with you and, and talk with you just for a couple of minutes. And um, listen, I was told that we have... Uh, seven extra tickets from, a, from a, a family that's not able to make it for lunch. Um, if you're here and you're like, ah, I missed out. Or if you're here and you're like, is there another ticket? I just said there are seven. And uh, I don't know who, if someone's out there to help with the seven. Uh, but just so you know, come talk to me, worst case scenario. Um, and we'll see what we could do. But there are seven tickets available to my knowledge. Unless they're already gone. So let's pray. We're going to ask the Lord's blessing on the food even now. And, um, and let's just give about maybe 10 minutes. I don't have a word from the downstairs yet if food is even ready. But we can just mingle and, and just enjoy some fellowship before we, we go downstairs. But what a good day to be in church. Can you say amen? amen? Listen, I believe that in this room there's greatness. Last week we talked about unity and how it's such a powerful strength. Um, imagine as God does his thing in each of our lives, there's no telling what he's going to do.
for his glory to, to just use us in a special way. That's my prayer for each and every one of us. And I believe God's not done. God's not done. We don't despise the day of small beginnings. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today. Lord, we're not interested in playing church. But God, we are here because we are your church. And Lord, I thank you that we are the bride of Christ, according to Scripture. So Lord, you look down upon us with favor, with affection, and with love. God, I pray today, and I thank you for every hand that went up. Lord, I thank you for, for life transformation, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. And Father, I just thank you for uh, what you're doing in this house. Lord, I thank you what you're doing in families and in hearts and in lives. Lord, we honor your word in our hearts, Lord, and in our lives. God, that we understand it's a word for us, but through us, that you still have the world in mind. So I, God, I pray that as we hear this message and have heard it today, that this changes everything for us. Lord, that it's a new start, it's a new beginning, but God, also that we're still with the world in mind, that it changes everything. We're on mission, God. And Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for this year. I thank you for what you've done and what, for what lies in front of us. Now, Lord, I pray a blessing upon the meal. God, I thank you that we get to break bread and enjoy the fellowship of the saints together. And as we head downstairs, Lord, I just pray that our conversation would be God-honoring. That, Lord, we would just honor one another and just enjoy the fellowship of unity around the table. In Jesus' name, see you down. Pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.